Hello, nurse. This is Wacko. Yacko. From Animaniacs. And we'd love to stay and talk to you, but I've got a party emergency. You stay right here on Sci Fi Saturday Night. See you later. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to TalkCast 221 and enter a universe where the unexpected is to be expected unless you're expecting, in which case, well, that was unexpected. Deep in Area 51 on sub-level 11 Double Bubble Bubblegum Emporium and Sticky Lube, where tonight, it's a secret, I am the Doe. Joining the TalkCast are some of our usual suspects. We are missing the dead redhead who is out having her eardrums uh, punctured tonight at a very loud concert, and I hope she's enjoying herself. From the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Technicalness, inaccurately referred to as Testy when all she wants to do is test. I love that song. All she wants to do is test. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Booyah? <laughs> I think. Okay, good. <laughs> From the stacks of her personal quiet place in the dank dungeon Zen Garden, the unmutable woman herself, known throughout the universe as the Robot Whisperer, it's Zombrarian. I have jokes, and then I remembered that Stacy's mom is listening. <laughs> Hi, Stacy's mom! Hi, Stacy's mom. Can we sing the song? No, we can't. For no, right. <laughs> we, we can't for copyright reasons, probably, but no, I'm thinking it really hard. <laughs> Which leads us to our guest for tonight. It is the incredibly talented, wonderfully gifted writer, Stacy Longo, who's going to talk about her new book, Secret Things, 12 Tales to Terrify. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Oh, it's just a, such a pleasure to be here, Dome. Thank you. <laughs> You're in our bastion of class. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Comes oozing through, yes. You know, and 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 the funny part is, really, uh, what is the funny part? The Please funny part is that we had a discussion amongst the cast, and we all kind of went. Stacy hasn't been on the show. Yes, she has. No. No. Nope. Yes. Maybe. No. Really. Really. And, I and know. Right. And we all kind of looked around and we went, "What the hell." Really? We've known <laughs> Stacy forever. Really? I know. Really? I'm, I'm just going to see how much higher I can get. Really? Okay, that's fine enough. <laughs> Tell us why, Stacy. Yeah. Because when we first met, I was uh, the co-chair for the New England Horror Writers, and I was trying to push our members to do it more so than myself because I wanted to get them the exposure. So I kind of stepped back and just kind of kept feeding people your way. And then I just got lost in the crowd. But here I am now. Damn. And, and we just kind of went, yeah. you know, we all, uh, actually, I guess Sombrari and I were talking about it last night. We were talking about guests, and we just kind of went, you know, I don't think she's ever been on. 
So we decided well, it's time to now. rectify that. And you're here now. Welcome to the show. You're welcome to stay and snark along with us for the first half hour when we talk about what's gone Hi. on this week in science fiction. Uh, but other than that, yep. in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about... Ah, I didn't mean to do that. I just lost a page here. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I, I love, love it, when, it I, when you do that. Oh, yeah. My, all of a sudden, I'm talking... Well, page, shit. Shit, the page goes away. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stacy's mom. Sorry, Stacy's mom. Uh, throw <laughs> some money and at some brain, I can hear you talking, but I'd like you to know you're muted. Unless you were yelling at a cat. I think she's muted in her response. No, she she just yelled over. She was yelling at the cat. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we got uh, an email this week. Did we? We did more than one. More than one, actually, from Travis Ritchie, otherwise known as uh, on Community as Inspector Spacetime. Yay! And in real life, as Travis Inspector Spacetime. <laughs> what? I don't think that's right, guys. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Travis has been doing uh, the web series, the untitled uh, web series about a traveler in in a space traveler who also travels in time, and it's quite frankly been phenomenal and and quite fun and and more fun than humans should be allowed to have. And he's currently indie go going. Is that actually is, a can verb? Can you verb that? I think you can. Is, is that a verb? Can we I'll, I'll let it happen this time. Anything on the internet. You know, you know I, I have to share something cute that, that somebody asked me about um, yesterday. And this somebody is certainly over 50, and it's not Dome. Um, Thank but God. They, they are related <laughs> to me. Um, they, they were like, so this person. They have a Twitter or they have a tweet? I was like, no, they have a Twitter, but they tweet. They have they have tweeted on their Twitter. Uh, they posted a tweet to their Twitter, and there was confusion that ensued. Sounds I don't know like why. It. it seems pretty simple to me. Well, then again, you're under forty, so it would. You so know anyhow, what? tweet this, okay? Yeah. Yeah, right there. Nine point seven. Don't Twitter five. this. Check. Tweet this. <laughs> this is what's called in library science the gap between digital natives and digital non-natives. Hmm. Who's not a digital native? Their life must be sad. People who are more than five years older than us. You have to realize there is a yeah, whole right, generation. So <laughs> You that know who just fun. popped into the chat room? No, I don't. I but can I think only assume who this person is because her screen name is Chrissy P.S. <gasps> <gasps> okay, don't squee too loud. Sorry. I couldn't help myself. Uh, I'm sure she'll have comments to make throughout the show. Anyway, back to Travis Ritchie for just a moment. Sorry, yes. He is Indiegogoing a movie. The Inspector Chronicles untitled motion picture about a space traveler. Dot, dot, dot. There are 30 days left in it. Uh, we were hoping to get Travis on this week, which didn't happen. We want to get him on next week. Travis, if you're listening, make it happen. And uh, he's already one-third of the way towards getting his funding for this. Here's the coolness. Um, wait, there's more? But there wait, more. there's more. What? Robert 
Picardo is signed to play a part. He's my favorite doctor. Chase Masterson. Did you see the joke I made there? I did there. Chase Masterson is signed to play a part. Mayim Bialik is signed to play a part. That was a good shot, Dome. I'm really proud of you. That was a really good shot, Dome. Remind me who these people are because I'm really bad with remembering actor names. Okay, Chase Masterson is like one of sci-fi's greatest divas. She started uh, in Deep Space Nine, where she played one of the Dabo yeah, girls. Yeah, you know all those science fiction divas. Absolutely. There's and, so many of them. And, and they're really memorable. May I embolic? Yeah, now I've blown it up. <laughs> you knew that was going to happen. We drew attention to it, and now it's <laughs> over. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You did no, so I, well, though. I was name free. I was good. I was golden. You you, you, got, you get credit. You get mad credit for getting it right the first time. Anyhow, she was Blossom. She's on Blossom. Big Bang Theory, and she is playing the voice of the uh, sentient time machine, which is not a TARDIS. It's called the Booth. And I have no idea what that stands for. But the coolest part is in what is not allowed to be called Inspector Space Time, but you can call it that anytime you want. There is actually one of the original doctors, Sylvester McCoy, has signed, who was the seventh doctor, to be one of the characters in the movie. I think I speak for everyone here when I say that is so fucking awesome, I don't it's, even know. It's incredible. I don't even know. I love so much how much the old doctors are still perfectly willing to be known as... Absolutely. I mean, the that's... The old doctors. As the doctor, the seventh doctor, the ninth doctor. You know, Well, it's the ninth doctor is not as willing to be known as... Well, I know that, but for a whole different set of stories. <laughs> that was a bad choice of numbers on my part. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, this looks like an incredible, incredible... Uh... Oh, and they just added a perk. They added a perk? What is it? Every donation of $5 or more gets an Inspector Spacetime ringtone. I want that. Good news, gonna, I donated $50. Good news, you're going to get one. Yeah! <laughs> okay, so, okay, it, wait a minute, but for $50, I get quite a lot. You do, actually. I, I get all the $5, $10, and $25 perks. You get a digital download of the soundtrack, the HD download of the the, the film. And the uh, on a digital download of the comic book written by Tony Lee. Yeah. Which we were supposed to talk about, and I totally forgot about until I just saw it right now. <laughs> but Tony Lee, he, he did actual other Doctor Doctor stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And you do get a credit in the movie. Oh, cool. I'm awesome. Absolutely. You could so, be the key grip. Or, Maybe. Or, or the best boy. Or no, the that gripped work. key. Yeah. You know, I've heard it both ways. Uh <laughs> So anyhow, Travis, uh, we want you on the show to talk about this some more, but uh, not Inspector Space Time, the untitled motion picture about a space traveler, the Inspector Chronicles. We'll have links to everything uh, on the page. On the, uh, on the everything. On the yeah. everything, yeah. We're going we're gonna, to like, 
We'll be tweeting the hell out of we'll that be one. doing it up. I think so, yeah. So what else is going on, guys? Well, now I'm all excited about Inspector Space Time. I can't think of anything else. You know when someone asks you what your favorite book is and you forget everything you've ever read? Yeah. Yeah? Never. <laughs> so speaking of getting Nobody old... Gets and Nobody gets me. So Kriana's getting old and her memory's going. And speaking okay. of getting old... Ha! Segue. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad one, dude. Sorry. You know what? I'm gonna go back to playing Kingdom Rush. Have fun. Um, the Ninja Turtles are 30 years old. They are. They are. And, and having had uh, both Kevin Eastman and... and uh, no, we didn't have the other one on. Having had Kevin Eastman on the show... You mean uh, Peter Laird? Peter Laird. Peter's never been on the show, has he? No, he has not. Well, but we can have him back for the 30th anniversary because... I'm sure if he had, he would be really offended by this point. Oh, back off. Because, Zumbra. Because there's going to, they're going to reunite and do a special edition 30th anniversary issue of the Ninja Turtles comic. Aww. And hopefully it's going to go back to the way they used to be, which was incredibly dark and incredibly cool. And uh, on the link that you got, there's a, uh, a mock-up of the cover for it. And God, that looks good. It does. It looks like it's going to be what you said. I will admit that as a child of the 80s, child of the 80s. most of what I think when I think Ninja Turtles is them like spinning pizzas on their fingers like basketballs. Heroes and on the half shell. Turtle power! <laughs> and Casey and Donatello having the alphabetical insults game. That's the best. I love the alphabetical insults. What else is Ninja Turtles? That's the best. Exactly. So dark is not what I associate with Ninja Turtles, but I'm willing it, to give it this It is still thought. dark, though. It is still dark while being awesome like that. Eh, kind of. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. It looks like it's going to be great fun. By the way, one of the most interesting and and brilliant TV series to come out of anywhere, never mind it came out of BBC America. Orphan Black Season 2 is opening very shortly because for a change, there were so many unanswered questions in Season 1. <laughs> and hot damn, is I'm looking forward to it. Um, the acting, the technical aspects of her playing all the clones, all the time. Just yeah, amazing. Yeah, What's-Her-Face is really awesome. Yeah, go ahead, say it. What? What's-Her-Face. I don't know. What's her name? Go ahead. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know I, what her name is. What's I, her name? I leave it to you to try and attempt to pronounce it. Well, paste it Paste it in the Google Doc, and I will try. It's like It's right there. Oh, is it right there? Okay, hang on. <laughs> One second. I I will do this up. I'm sure. I want to hear. I want to hear Kriana's trying to pronounce Russian. Do you, Do you know? Do you know what what where it or, originates? Oh, Tatiana Maslani. That wasn't that yep. bad. It's yeah, close. Close. Yeah. Her name's not that bad. But yeah. she's an absolutely terrific actress, and this is. Probably one of the most difficult television roles anybody's ever tried. Damn, she's doing a great job with it. I one cannot wait for season two. One of the most difficult ones? What, what can you think of that's more difficult? 
off the top of your head, please. I would like to hear this. More difficult than Tatiana Maslany. A billion clones of yourself, and giving each one of them an really absolutely distinct, distinct personality. personality. Yeah, what she said. And having seven or eight versions of you on the screen at the same time. Yeah, Jesus. That's not easy. And interacting believably and doing various accents believably. It's incredible. The amount of work she's doing has got, like, I'm stressed thinking about how much work that would take. Absolutely. So in April, uh, ABC has a television special called Marvel Studios Event. Assembling a Universe. And it's kind of like blatant self-promotion for, because ABC and Marvel and Disney and the whole thing. And, but whatever. Uh, I think it's kind of cool because they're going to take a look behind the scenes at what their plans are over the next decade. Uh, yeah, as to what they're doing, what they want to do. And during that one-hour show... There is going to be a nine-minute Avengers Age of Ultron sneak peek. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm in. I mean, uh, I am really enjoying the movies. Uh, I'm really enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of awesome. I, I'm like waiting for it to come back on because I am really excited about it. Me too. Is it, I think it's tonight, actually. Is it? Is it tonight? No, March next week. Next, next March week. 4th, next week. March fourth. It comes back. So tonight is Community Parks and Rec, Rain, and the Vampire Diaries on my watch list here. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Ellen DeGeneres is hosting the Oscars. Just to toss. And then the week after that, you get um, the next Archer, Agents of Shield, another Supernatural, Originals, Arrow, etc. Yeah, now Arrow came back from hiatus last night. You know, I still haven't started this season. I'm oh, just, you need to. I'm just, I'm scared. Don't be. It's, it's, it's as good as everybody says, and everyone's and been saying better. it's terrible. Well, no, you're listening <laughs> to the wrong people. You said it was terrible for a while. Moi, not yes, at all. Yes, when it started, you were like, ah, oh, it's not as good as last season. No, what I said was, is that they're cutting them very badly. And the problem is the episode itself becomes very disjointed because of the way it's edited and the way the commercials are edited into it. Oh, well, I don't have to well, worry see, about Well, see, that's your problem. You're watching it with commercials. <laughs> yeah, who that's to right, with exactly. Commercials? That's so old school. Welcome to the 90s. Like hey, 95. you know. Actually, no, not even when I, when I videotaped them on my Betamax. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, kids, get off my lawn! I, I'd like to point out that you are physically incapable of videotaping something on a Betamax, but... Um, no, no, you're not. You Why can record you things on beta, Betamax. You can record things, but videotape is a videotape, and a Betamax is not a videotape. It most certainly is, young lady. Well, <laughs> I hate to be the one to tell you. It's not a VCR videotape. It most certainly is. There are two cassette formats. Betamax and VHS, and they're both videotape. Sorry, but welcome to it's, the analog it's age, the, it's which the, I know. The HD DVD of its day. <laughs> so speaking of things that you probably watched for the first time on VHS if you didn't watch them in the theater. Uh-huh. 
We have a very sad thing to talk about. Yeah, we do. No, I don't want to say it. If I say it, it becomes true. Well, then mm-hmm. well, well, then Dom can say you it. You must never say it. I don't want to say it because it's sad. Yeah. So we nominate you, Dom. Yeah. Well, possibly one of the funniest guys ever uh, died this week at a very unfortunately young age which is my age. <laughs> Harold Ramis died this week, and Harold Ramis uh, was in the middle of working on Ghostbusters 3. Egon has left the building, guys. And uh, what has happened is because of him leaving the mortal coil in the middle of production like this, it's kind of pushed everybody else in Ghostbusters 3 to go, well, now we've actually got to do it. Because the number of them, primarily Bill Murray, were backing away, kind of making a uh, series of really unreasonable demands you know, to be in it. it. Bill's was that he'd be dead in the first four minutes. Do it in his fucking loving memory. That's right. And I, yeah. Yeah, but what they they're were fighting is, before he died. They were. Yeah, so even more reason to do your friggin' penance. <laughs> yeah, I, the last thing you said to him was that, mean, oh, oh, oh. and you should feel bad, and therefore you should make this movie. Yes. There you go. Guilt him into it. You exactly. Can do it. That's, that was my plan. <laughs> you got it. So, Bill Murray, if you're listening. Just You it. know he is. He's a big fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totes. He and so, Joss Whedon, they get together. <laughs> and <we're laughs> they, have a, they have a listening date. Oh, I, I haven't been looking at the chat room. Crap. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. So, so the word is this week that Ivan Reitman <laughs> is meeting with Sony this week to figure out how to move forward without him in the movie. But according to Sony Pictures, Ivan Reitman, and there was one other name in here that, uh, uh, oh, Lee Eisenberg, who wrote the script, Parts of it are going to need to be reworked, but it's still going to happen. And it's still a film the studio is pursuing, and it should begin shooting next year. I was hoping they were going to say they were going to like digitally recreate him, because no, that's so that's, creepy. That's just it's creepy. It's so creepy thing. and awesome. <laughs> oh, of- have you guys, speaking of this, the okay. most amazing tri- piece of tribute art I've seen so far, and I... It was on my Facebook, so I don't think I'll, I'll find it again. But it's the other three standing, and they're waving, and he's a ghost, and he's waving, and he's getting sucked into the box, and you just want to cry. Oh. That's really well, sad. It's Why would really you say sweet. that? That <laughs> oh. is really sad, to be honest with you. But it's also really sweet. It's like a bittersweet thing, so I felt like. It's pretty much just sad, I think. Okay. Well, take us on to something uplifting. Yeah, let's, let's do something less. Let, let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch on all fours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how I like him. I mean, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who said that? I mean, you said that? Wow. Yeah, you know. That was not me, Mom. <laughs> Throw that out there. <laughs> Sorry, Stacey's mom. <laughs> well, anyway, there was a really cool picture of Benedict Cumberbatch in his motion capture suit for um, Smaug, and it was really funny looking, and I enjoyed it. End of story. 
Is it the end of the story? Because we were we really had sh- things to say before. Yeah, yeah you really we saw out. He's nice a good goal. actor. He's a good actor. He's an amazing actor. I love him. I would totally hit that. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want me to say? I, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's more than enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I tried to redirect us, and we just stayed where we were. Yeah. An absolute fail at every possible level. So, uh, we're in an era of reboots. Everybody's rebooting every franchise they could possibly think of. We're in our third reboot of Superman, Shoot Me Now. And right now, they're rebooting a television series um, in a way that I'm not sure I like. The TV series is called Heroes. It went for five seasons. It should have stopped after one. Heroes went for five Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Heroes was good, and then the writer's strike happened, and then it really sucked, and it then continued to suck for the rest of its run. And it never got better. And it it kind of became kind of a zombie show because everyone wanted it to be better, and it just wasn't. It just kept shambling forward, like the undead. What should have happened is American Horror Story. Which at the end of each season, they yell, Chinese fire drill, everybody gets out, runs around, changes whatever they're doing, and it's a completely different show. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the re- the reboot is doing it a better way. Yes, As long absolutely. as you do it the way they're saying. Because they're is, saying it's going to be a miniseries. Is Aiden uh, Pattinieri in there? I can't oop. pronounce her name. Aiden Panettiere? It's genetic, no, that, that the, the, uh, the cheerleader. Save the who's, cheerleader. Who's the save. Nashville queen now, right? She's on that right. that show about country singers. Yeah, with, with the lady from American Horror Story, speaking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oddly who, enough. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, they had the chance to do that at the end of the first season when they had a, a natural ending and they cheated it in the very last two scenes of season one. Can anyone not see Zachary Quinto as evil? Like, he's just evil in everything that he does, because... Yeah. Every time I see Spock? him, all I can think is evil Spock. Yeah, just, yeah, he's evil Spock. Yeah, he is, actually. He's 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 not a, a great Spock, either. But that's no. a whole other story. None of that cast is very good. I'm, I'm not impressed with Chris, Christopher Pine. Yeah, no, he's not very good at all. Um, I like, I like, uh, uh, Dr. McCoy. Yep, he's good, and Zoe Sultana is not bad. Uh, Zoe actually, Sultana. actually, wait a minute, wait a minute, Sulu's okay. Um, but it's nothing yeah. special. No, no, it's like all, that guy. secondary like that guy. people are okay. I like that guy. You but leave I mean, him alone. He's a sweetheart. But the guy leave who Leave Harold Dr. alone! Yeah, leave Harold alone. <laughs> The guy who plays Dr. McCoy is now doing Being Human on Fox. And it's and it's quite good. Wait, Being Human on Fox. Wait a minute. I'm confused. Being Human was a show about a ghost, a werewolf, and a, a vampire, right? But it's not Being Human. That's not Being Human? What was that one? No, that... You that talk, is being that, human. That's being human. The one he's on is not being human. Oh, okay. Uh, I was confused because being human was on Siffy and they remade the British one and the American ter- one sucked. You know, um, uh, I can't for the life of me remember what the name of it is. Uh, 
and I'm frantically looking it up and getting no help whatsoever. So, yeah. If that's film looks that up, they're also relaunching Space Jam. Uh, Space Jam! Why is that a good Dave. movie? Your day is such a Space Jam! It is a good movie! You can't All fight right. it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to ask the simple question. Because you can't fight it. Because it is. Because oh. everybody Looney get up. It's time Shaq. to slam now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Field jam going now. Welcome to the space jam. Cowabunga. It's almost human. Because it's almost, almost human. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> almost human. I get it. Why keep him around? <laughs> well played, young lady. Well played indeed. <laughs> Uh, and that that's actually a decent show that's getting like passable ratings and, and should be getting much better than it is. But it's sci-fi and it's on, on uh, Monday nights and, and it isn't, So, which is a shame. Yeah, Jerkwads. Actually, I've never seen it. I don't know if it's any good at all. Way to go, Jerkwads. <laughs> but way to go, Jerkwads. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go back to Space Jam 2 for just a moment, though. Space Jam 2, Electric Boogaloo, because once again... Well, there were so many And questions. I'm like, the first one, they had some a bunch of basketball players who were personalities. Michael they had Dennis Rodman. Oh, God. To put in a movie about aliens. I mean, that was perfect. And they now? Had, yeah, he's kind of an alien. alien. They had Shaquille O'Neal, who had already been in several movies, including that one about... The president's kid and Shaquille O'Neal was his bodyguard. Yeah, that incredibly weird, odd, dumb movie. <laughs> there were no other Michael Jordan, who was Michael Jordan. I don't think they have comparable basketball players these days. Kevin Sorbo. They don't. Kevin Sorbo could totally be in Space Jam too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As like an evil, an evil businessman or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's got a very busy schedule filming made-for-TV movies. I don't think he's available. I love Kevin And Bill Sorbo. Murray was in Space Jam. Oh. oh, God, that's right. Bill Murray was in Space Jam. He was? He was. Wasn't he, like, oh, the manager? He was. he was the manager. He was playing himself. Oh, was he? Yes. <laughs> Never mind. I'm on crack. Don't mind me. Could have been worse. Could have. And at this point, we're halfway through the show where normally the dead redhead would say, our poll this week, we didn't have enough people and, and we need more. So so instead of that happening, we had a you poll. You didn't do the right voice. I'm not going to do the voice. Hello! <laughs> I'm the dead redhead. <laughs> That's right. They're not here, so we get out the stun guns. This and week's poll Wise. So the poll this week on our Facebook, and we're we've got to find a better way to do this because it's you're just doing the voice and Kriana. You're, you're not doing it correctly. <laughs> no, I'm not. The poll this week was: What supervillain had the best bling? I'm not sure that was a great poll question, but <laughs> that was the question. But that was the question, and we had to go with it. Uh, there were a number of, of also runs, but uh, tied for third place was Austin Powers Gold member. <laughs> You're waiting for a Ron Jeremy joke. I, I know it. I know, all I can think of is, is when he goes, I like gold. 
sorry. <laughs> and uh, creepy. Which I don't. I've never watched a single Highlander movie. Wouldn't know. Don't want to know. In second place was the Mandarin, villain to both Iron Man and Doctor Strange. And in first place was the obvious one for anybody who knows comics, the Kingpin from Spider-Man, who had the best bling ever. For honorable mentions, Goldfinger, Maleficent, Cruella DeVille's Puppy Farm, Casanova Frankenstein from Mystery Man, and the Blue Meanies. Heather loves Mystery Men. I love Mystery Men. <laughs> it's also, one of the you didn't call me by my correct name. Oh, sorry. Summary. Who is Heather? I don't, I don't know, know. Who that is. <laughs> I have no idea who that could mm-hmm. be. Uh, who could that Clark be? Clark Kent wears glasses. It's my imaginary Superman. friend who I made up. Superman doesn't wear glasses. If Clark Kent was Superman, how could he see? Wow, that was brilliant. <laughs> Right there. That was just that was from Mystery Men. That was poetry. No, here's here's poetry, children. A collection of wickedly entertaining stories will compel you to <laughs> lock the doors, keep the lights on, and ponder what it might be like to embrace the darker side of human nature. Everybody has secrets, and Stacy Longo is here to tell you twelve tales to terrify. Her secret things. So embracing the darker side of human nature, that's where Ron Jeremy plays into the story. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Sorry! <laughs> I couldn't help it. I don't think Ron Jeremy gets enough credit. For, his- <laughs> for what? You needed to end for the sentence right there. I'm telling you. <laughs> one of the best horror movies ever made was Wide Monster, which happened to star him and his member, and it was hilarious because they took themselves so seriously in this movie. And he doesn't get enough credit for keeping his clothes on in that movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Roger, thank you for keeping your clothes yeah, on. Yeah, we here at yeah. Saturday Night appreciate and encourage that. <laughs> Yay. So, Stacy, we've known each other for a while now. It's been a couple of years. If not long, yeah. actually. And... Mm. You sent this book to me for review a couple of months ago. And mm-hmm. I, I recall shooting you an instant message about <laughs> five minutes into the book. No, he just recalls shooting you. Uh, yeah, I, I duck. <laughs> and, and I just went, I hate you. This, this is the <laughs> yeah. creepiest stuff I have ever ever read no one got any sleep that night don't uh, we really you really need to learn to just say hey zombrarian i'm scared will you read this one instead and (laughs) i'll only laugh at you a little bit we or alternatively we can get you another security blankie (laughs) we'll knit you one yeah we'll knit you a security blankie so this book uh (laughs) is 12 short stories yep. to make connected you by absolutely nothing except each one will hit you when you're down for whatever reason, and each one does it in a very different way. That's good to hear. That was kind of my goal. <laughs> <laughs> good job with that, then. Uh, yay. 
Fabulous. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the whole concept. And the problem is, I don't. I would love to sit here and go, why in the hell uh, are Victor and Holly Shaw trying? to do the things they're trying to do to each other. But I mean, in order to do that, I'm just going to throw spoilers out left and right. <laughs> and, and this, this is going to be one of the most difficult interviews I've done because I have so many goddamn questions and I can't ask you any of well, them. Well, how long are the stories? Can you read us one, Stacy? Um, uh, uh, there's one that's pretty short. Let me, hold on. I gotta look it up. One thirteen. Um, not to put right. you on the spot or anything. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you did. But all right, I have, yeah. I have one that was actually a piece of flash fiction, and actually, the only really distinctive thing about this story compared to the others is that Max doesn't really have a secret. It's kind of all out there. But it's called Max Elliot Exterminator. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know what? I'm going to mute myself now. Because All I have right. so many comments to make. Okay. Please, go ahead. All right. Max Elliot was an exterminator. He'd cleared zombies out of entire towns in his prime, severing spinal cords and sending undead heads rolling without even breaking a sweat. He prefer his preferred weapon of choice was his machete, which he was using now to clean out the dirt from under his fingernails, reclining with his boots up on the dusty table in his little cottage. Once the vaccine had eliminated the zombie plague, Max found himself out of a job. Decimated cities were being rebuilt. Zombie hordes were rounded up and cured of or just disposed of. And trees were being planted along neighborhood streets. Max was a fighter, not a builder. And he had found himself with little to do, a zombie slayer with no one to decapitate. He sat now waiting for a knock at the door calling him into action once again. The knock came. Max opened the door to his red-faced neighbor, a portly woman who owned, owned the cottage down the road. She was panting, having rushed at a high waddle to reach Max's bungalow. Come quick, gasped the woman, putting her fists up to her mouth. It's a nightmare. They're taking over the whole garden. Max turned and spit, his saliva tinged brown from the wad of tobacco that rested between his cheek and his jaw. He patted his pocket to reassure himself that he had enough Copenhagen to carry him through this new mission. Then he turned back to the neighbor and smiled. Brown flack, flecks of chaw stuck to his teeth. What seems to be the problem, ma'am, he drawled. The neighbor shuddered. Aphids, she squeaked. Max Elliot, Exterminator, was back in the saddle again. The end. <laughs> that was awesome. So there you go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's definitely the shortest story in there. And I, I put it in there just because I really, really like Max, that character. I actually have, he's had cameos and a couple other of my short stories, none of them that are in this book. But, um, I've got to. I've got to put him in a novel. He he he's begging me for a novel. I just haven't sat down and hammered it out yet. See now, if I'm going to ask you questions about any of these stories, I, I've got to find a way to do it in a way that doesn't give it away. 
Uh, and it's very difficult. It is very difficult. <laughs> there's, there's a story about a woman on her wedding day, and I'm trying to remember which story that is. The woman on her wedding day who walks out of the chapel and into the woods. Time to let go. Yes. Yep. Uh, now, Time to Let Go sits about a third of the way into the book after about two or three really nasty stories. <laughs> <laughs> and the horror in Time to Let Go... Uh, all right, I'm taking that one back. <laughs> what makes this book work is that none of these stories fits the uber definition of horror. Mm. Each one comes at it from a very different very specific, very personal place. Mm -hmm. What makes it work for me, what made it work for me, was the care that you took with the characters to bring them to the point where whatever happened, happened because of who they were and not artificially. Oh, good. <laughs> And there's no question here, clearly. <laughs> and and Time to Let Go was the one that kicked me in the gut. That's the one where I, I, I sent you an IM and went, I hate you now. Yeah. Because that one did me in. Yeah. And it's not bloody. It's not ugly. It just did me in. So how do, how do you go? How do you? attack the genre from so many different angles, literally 12 different ways, many of which I've never actually read as horror that way before. Here's a question. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, let me pull out my college thesis and, and read that to you. Um, cool. I don't, uh, yeah. Horror actually was is definitely not what I had written for the first 20-something years of my life. I've always been a horror fan, but um, I wrote humor for many, many years. I was a humor columnist for the Block Island Times for six or seven years, and that's really what I focused on. But after I moved off of Block Island, I wanted to take a break from that. I wasn't really growing at all. It was always having a hard time I was like going through a divorce nothing was funny you know like except for making fun of my ex-husband that was kind of funny but like you know people Good get call. hearing it, Not a problem. Of it. yeah <laughs> so um I had always been a fan of horror and um, when I met Jason um he also was a horror fan too and he kept encouraging me to maybe start writing in that genre and I resisted I didn't really want to do it and then he took me to, um, I was an event at the Bushnell. There were a bunch of different people speaking. And one of them was Tim Deal from Shroud Magazine. He's the editor and publisher. And he was talking about the importance of crafting a good story, making sure that you've finally tuned it and honed it and, and uh, you know, giving it that, that dark little twist that it needs to really capture someone's attention. And, Listening to him talk about it, I was like, you know, I think I can do this. So I, I did. I started writing horror. I tried to 
keep a little bit of the humor in it, but uh, which is kind of my defense mechanism anyway. I mean, I, I've known some pretty horrible people in my life, but I mean, if you can't laugh about it, then you'll cry. I mean, you're here so, on the um, show, so. Uh, right. And I'm not crying yet. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so um, it is, I mean, it's hard. Like every person, I like every character in Secret Things is based on someone I know. In fact, Ben, who's one of the main characters in Time to Let Go, was a guy I knew in college who died of a drug overdose. And um, that was a very hard one for me to write because I had to, it was, it, I had to treat him very delicately. I didn't want to be mad at him. I didn't want to be gushy over him. You know, I just, he was a friend of mine. I wanted to treat him right in the story. And I'm glad it came out, you know, it, it turned out the way it did. Wow, did I think it, yeah. I, yeah. I think I did him justice, which is really ultimately what I wanted to do, you know, to make it a poignant little, you know, uh, what's the word, homage to his, uh, you know, to his memory and make it a good little story too. So, so here's what you did so. in the book that I think was incredibly cool. Uh, there's an epilogue in the book and it's called the stories behind the tales. And in uh -huh. this epilogue, you take a couple of, couple of lines to talk about why you wrote it, how you wrote it, who you wrote it about. Um, in, in time to let go, uh, you write, uh, the main character, Ben, is based on a Ben I knew in college. The ladies loved him, but sadly he died much too young. The story is a little homage to his memory. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That that gives the reader, uh, gave me, a little bit more insight. And when I realized that this was in the back of the book, I would read the story, then go right to it, and read the little blurb that you put about it. <laughs> I almost wish that each of those was at the end of each short story. Uh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I added that everywhere I go, you know, whenever I do a convention or a panel or, or anything like that or meet someone, uh, the first thing they ask is, where do you get your ideas um, So I wanted to include that, but not only so people could go, oh, all right, you know, this you know, this one little event can spark a whole story, but also it was kind of a, I wanted to cover my butt. I didn't, because a lot of times what will happen is someone will read one of my stories and get mad because they think I'm writing about them. And <laughs> nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Rampant narcissism, yeah, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah. <exactly laughs> That's about me. Yeah, yeah, it's, that happens a lot, a lot, and and the people like that I would never like. I I would think, my God, do you really think I think about you that much? <laughs> You're so not that interesting, that sweetie. In. Stop flattering yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, so, but the other thing um, that epilogue so, does. So yeah, I, I did that. Too. Yeah, to definitely cover my butt, so that people, you know, would realize either that it's not about them, or hey, yeah, oh, you know, I see where that came from. Now that's pretty cool. So that's why I did that. But the other thing that it does is that it opens up a window between the author and the reader. Whereas mm. in the story, you're talking at them, you're telling them a story. This epilogue is almost like a conversation with them. You know, by the way, I knew this guy and I felt really bad when he died. And that's why he's the main character in this story. 
you know, and mm. it, it's really a nice piece of you that you placed in the book. Oh, well, now that you've said that, maybe I have to pull it out. That might be too much information for people to know. <laughs> uh, I wish. Do you, do you ever cover your butt in reverse? Be like, I know this person's going to be mad that they, that I wrote about them, so I'm going to say it's about this person that I'm making up right now, and no one has to know. Um, I don't think I did it in this, but it's not a bad idea. <laughs> you don't have to admit it. You can tell me later when we're not on the air. All right. <laughs> No, yeah, I don't. I I don't one of them is about this like podcasting old guy that you know. And I'm not saying anything. <laughs> He's bald. Yeah, He's yeah, with a big furry mustache. And, rampant narcissism. And really opinionated. And, yeah. Yes. When he's coming up with his sinister plots, he likes to rub the part of his finger that used to be there. Oh, God. <laughs> that makes it sound way creepier than it actually is. <laughs> you and Christy are perfect for each other. Ah. Good Lord. So, what is the Hiram Award? The Hiram Award? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Hiram Award, it, the Hiram Awards were started by Shroud Magazine. And, um, it's like this goofy little thing that they do. They, you know, they give out awards for really odd things. And I won a Hiram in 2011. I had uh, written a short story called Down the Pike. And, and Shroud took it and they, and they published it. But when I sent in my query letter, I, I was really kind of a lighthearted query letter. And... Um, so the main character in the story is actually my ex-husband and I killed him off. And I think in the query letter, I said something along the lines of, I hope you find this story as horrifying as my ex will when he realizes that one of the characters sounds very familiar. <laughs> so I got an email back from the publisher saying best query letter ever. And in the story, there's an animal that, that gets put through wood chipper. Anyway, <laughs> so oh my God. I, yeah. So in 2011, I won the Hiram Award for Best Query Letter Slash Animal Mutilation. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. I did frame it. It's in my office. <laughs> but yes, that was the Hiram Award that I won. Very cool. So can we talk a little bit about that lovely little bookstore in Connecticut called... That's what it's called. I love saying that. Yes. Yay. <laughs> My favorite place I've never been. Yes, you should come. I know. I want to so bad. Yeah, well, you know, just throwing this out there, but another author that you know, Christy Peterson Schoonover, is going to be at Books and Booze on March 16th to give a workshop on, uh, it's a submissions workshop on how to, um, Submit to different publishers and editors how to find the right market, um, how to keep track of all your submissions, what editors are looking for, what they're not looking for, how to handle rejection. So I think you should come up for that. I'm just saying. Books and yeah. Booze. March so how, how long has, has Books and Booze been open? Um, we opened in November of 2012. So it's been a little over a year. Um, we are a tiny little bookstore with a big heart. Um, we specialize yeah, an in... an even bigger liquor cabinet. Just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no. We have to have a liquor license for that. We never, never tell people that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll cut yeah. that part out. It's B-O-O. -O. 
Yes. yes. It's because we For specialize you know. horror. Of yes. course. Yes. So, um, yeah, we have we have used books of all genres. We have new books by um, local authors, you know, throughout New England. That was one thing we really wanted to make sure we did when we opened up a lot of, you know, well, the few bo box bookstores that are left, they don't give shelf space to... To indie, to indie authors and small presses. Because let's so, face it, they're dicks. Right. That's exactly what it is. Yes. <laughs> so when we opened, Jason said, let's not be dicks. Yes, <laughs> I think you guys have succeeded. Good job. Yay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we do. Yeah, we have new books by local authors. Um, we have a lot of small press books. Um, and we also have novelty items um, that you really can't find somewhere like Target. Um, we have, you know, we have um, zombie Edgar Allan Poe mugs, which the image, the zombie image, we actually licensed through an artist named Amanda Dowdy, who is in Norwich. Um, we have digital prints. Actually, the woman who did the cover for Secret Things is a fabulous, fabulous artist. Her name is Stephanie Johnson. Um, and she, we have some of her di digital images for sale. Um, we have pillows shaped like bloodstains. We have um, handcrafted uh, spooky ornaments. Uh, you know, so we have like all different little odd novelties. Oh, we have the best bookmarks. There's a guy right in Colchester, which is the town that we're located in, who um, handcrafts these wooden uh, bookmarks, and they're they're just fabulous he, you know he's we've got game of thrones bookmarks we've got batman we've got um superman, superman yeah and all these anyway it's very cool and oh mocking jay we got the mocking jay there from hunger catching games. yeah hunger games so um anyway so we have a whole bunch of stuff it's definitely a, a destination to visit if you happen to be in the colchester connecticut area which everybody is aren't they <laughs> Everybody has to go through Colchester to get someplace else. That's right. That's true. So yes, you can visit our website. Can I plug our website? Absolutely. Am I allowed? All right, yay. Uh, you can visit our website at www.booksandbooze.com. That's B-O-O-S. Um, and we also have an Amazon storefront, which I don't like to push as much, but we do have one. It's uh, Amazon.com forward slash shops forward slash books and booze so check us out we've got and, we i think we just and i just realized ahead. i was muted when i was trying to say this i said we're gonna have links to all that good stuff in the post so yeah, stop on by hey. if, you, if you want the link and we will be happy to hook you up with books and oh, booze. you're the best Aww. we try you make me blush yeah <laughs> and, oh. and to, to our wonderful listeners out there and anybody who happens to be in Tierra del Fuego on iTunes for no apparent reason and listening to us. Um, <laughs> if you're going to get a book of short stories this week, not next this week, month, this week, this year, uh, <laughs> this is one of the most surprising and entertaining books of short stories I've read in an awfully long time. It really is. It truly is. Um, oh, thank you. You know, uh, I, I, I was having a conversation with science fiction author Spider Robinson a couple of weeks ago, uh, and 
I was, we were talking about different books that we had read and I'd mentioned a bunch of horror books uh, because of that's what I've read recently. And he goes, you know, if you were going to tempt me with anything, horror wouldn't be it. Well, that's because you're not reading the right horror, Spider. And I said to Spider, try this one. Secret Things, 12 Tales to Terrify by the incredible writer Stacy Longo. The Inimitable. The Inimitable. I think Inimitable is appropriate here. I think we can use that. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really, it's been a lot of fun. It's not a word I get to use often, but when I do, I make it count. (laughs) So, Kriana. Did we lose lose her? No. What? I'm sorry. You're here. What? You just you faded out a little bit, so I think that was my cue to start the music. And because Dead Redhead is not here, I get all the things tonight. So you get all the things. So. Next week, KPS herself, Christy's coming on to talk about Poison Ground. On the fifteenth, Michael J. Sullivan comes on to chat up Hollow World. Man, it's like month o authors here month on Sci-Fi's cool Saturday authors, Night. Absolutely. Yeah, people we love. Um, on March 22nd, Jamal Igle for real, Molly Danger and the Dangers of Kickstarter. On the 29th, Gary, oh, Gary Summers is coming on to talk about his new show, The Pop Culture Expo. And this show is in convention, not like a TV show. Anyway, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Maybe, yay, maybe more than dozens. I'm not sure. Maybe scads. Tonight's outro music is provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Don't? I want to thank the inimitable Stacy Longo for joining us tonight. I want to thank our cast for working through us being shorthanded. What the heck? From the Revere Time Vortex, our soundboard chairman, Kriana, and the woman who watches all of our grammars on Barry. Thank you very much, ladies. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and stuff. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Us do we all refute entropy? Good night, everybody. I know.